and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. As always, I'm your host, Jack, and today I am joined by the one and only reviewer from the three-minute board game channel, Jay Carmichael. Welcome to the show, Jay. Kia ora. Uh, how's it going? It's it's going good around here, man. I mean, I'm living in the past. You're living in the future on the other side of the world. And just, you know, we're meeting in the middle somewhere over the interwebs. And I have so many questions for you about your awesome channel. Uh, awesome. First, first off, congratulations on the success of that thing. I mean, you kind of blew up really quick over the last couple of years. Well, it's, it's not even a couple of years. It's 14 months. 14, 14 months? 14 months. Holy yeah, smokes. Yeah, we started... First video came out in June, uh, sorry, January 30, 2018. So, yeah, 14 months. And we were trucking along pretty well for the first six months. And in the last six months, it has exploded. We've gone from 3,500 subs on 1 October to 14,500 subs today. What do you think specifically it could be attributed with that explosion? I I honestly put it down to um, a niche. There's a niche that um, we're exploiting that no one else seems to have done well before, and that's short, concise summaries. There's a lot of long-form content out there. In fact, I think a lot of people look at Tom Vassell and they go, Tom's really big. Tom's really successful. I'll, be, I'll do Tom Vassell. Right, right. And... No one does Tom Vassell better than Tom Vassell. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, look at Shut Up and Sit Down. They're big because they do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got their long-form reviews, they're funny, they're engaging guys, but they're different. And I think the fact the channel was a little bit different and something people were looking for, something short, compact, concise, easy to digest – I think that's been the key. Okay, so was this born out of like a, a sense of demand, or were you already planning on creating some sort of content and you were trying to strategize what would be the best format to go forward with? Do you see what I mean? There's two two origin stories behind this, and they kind of combine. The first one is I'm in communications and marketing as a career. That's that's what I do, and I was between contracts and I was doing some upskilling and. One thing I wanted to skill up on was the Adobe Creative Suite. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to learn Audition, Photoshop, Premiere, get those skills under my belt because those make me more employable. Right. And I needed something to do to practice those at home. So initially, this all came about because I was trying to upskill for work. And then I was like, okay, I want to make some videos. Yeah, let's make some videos. That'll be fun. What should I make videos about? And about that time, I was looking for a review of a game. I can't even remember what game it was. But the shortest review available on Board Game Geek was 28 minutes long. Oh, oh my God. That's horrible. And I was so angry. I was like, and it was, it was just a guy sitting at a, in front of a shelf of games, doing a longish playthrough with very little editing. And... Um, I was just kind of, is this the best there is? Surely, surely people want something shorter than this. I know I want something shorter than this. Yes. And I thought, stop it. I'll, I'll learn how to do these. Um, I'll learn all these applications and I'll make some short um, board game videos and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And my first video blew up. Like very first video I put out got huge straight away. And the feedback 
was just bam do more of these this is the best thing i've seen in years do more do more do more what was was the first game that you reviewed spirit island oh well that's a damn good game to start with and and why spirit island Uh, spirit island's a a pretty important game to me on a lot of levels it's uh, i love its sort of Mm -hmm. anti-colonialism vibe to it i like co-op games but most importantly for me, um, the spirits are very much like the Tanifa um, of Māori mythology and all the stories I grew up with about local spirits protecting different parts of the, of the countryside and different parts of, of, of the land. We have a, a term here called kaitiakitanga, and that means the guardianship and stewardship of the land. So the idea that you don't take too much fish from the sea because there won't be any more fish left. That's that's in the most basic terms. But Kaitiakitanga also represents that some areas are tapu, that they're sacred, that they're they're off limits because that's where the spirits dwell. That's their their sacred important sites. And Spirit Island's all about that. Right, right. So it really sort of uh, just spoke to me as uh, as as a New Zealander um as a game that was something that really just had a, a powerful resonance with me. So, yeah, I definitely picked it as my first game because it was a game I was just really buzzing about uh, when I started the channel. Okay, so you do Spirit Island, and that's a, a massive success. People want more of that. And then how do you go about choosing which games to do next? Do you go for games that just are underrepresented and need more reviews? You look for games that you really love, or is it something that you feel compelled that you personally have something interesting to say about? Well, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mix. So I like to cover older games um so games that have been out and around the traps for a while um largely because i think a lot of people still want to play those games Mm -hmm. um some of my most watched videos are things like seven wonders which is like 10 year and one eight nine years old um mage knight is another one of my most watched videos and that game's you know nearly 10 years old now and i think personally being being where i am uh, we we don't get games early we get mm-hmm. them late we're so far behind the cool curve that by the time the sort of hype wave of a game has passed it's starting to turn up in stores here uh, so i've never felt the need to be the first person to play something so i'll just pick a game that you know either i like or uh, my patreon people have, have started voting for that's that's something on the patreon channel uh, but mostly it's games I've, I've enjoyed playing. Um, I've only ever covered one game on the channel that I really didn't like. Oh, okay. What's that? Heroes of Tenefer. Uh, I kind of decided, oh, yeah, let's do this Kickstarter preview thing. Let's get people to send us games. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I saw this game, and I thought it was going to be a bit like an Aeon's End or sort of a cooperative deck-building game, and it just bounced really hard off me and my group oh, uh, we did worst. not have a lot of fun and but i felt obligated because this guy i mean the broken i think it's from broken mill games mm-hmm. um they're the publishers of it and they're lovely they're really lovely people and i felt obligated to finish off the video and and put it out even though i'd had a miserable time with the game and making the video was a completely joyless exercise. Yep. But I still felt obligated. And oh, it's just such an awful feeling. 
Yeah, and, and that's the the hard part, right? Is I see it online a lot where people are talking about why why are board game reviewers always so enthusiastic about these games? And I don't believe that reviewers should hype up a game beyond what they they uh, actually feel the game deserves by any means. But I think it makes sense that the the games that you're invested in. Uh, are the ones that you feel like you have something interesting to say about them. And Mm -hmm. especially if you're a a person in this hobby, you want to like games. You're not in it to just dunk on games that are coming out. These These are creative works that are meant to entertain people. And so it is an absolute slog in order to tell the world, hey, this game that this very real person hung their hopes and dreams on kind of sucks. And that, yeah. that's not fun for anyone. No, and and part of my process is we try to have at least five plays of a game um, with different player numbers. I try it with different groups. We, mm-hmm. we, I try to get as much of an experience of the game as I can before I do it, which means sometimes people will send me a game and it'll be three months before I put a video out about it because you know it just takes that amount of time to get through the whole testing cycle and um it's hard to stay with a game you don't like mm-hmm. for multiple plays and then to take all the photos of it to write a script about it to film it promote it it's just yeah you just don't want to be involved with it you just want to go can i just put this game aside let's pick something else off the shelf that's that's a lot more fun Right. And then it's even the the other stuff, like you're putting it up on social media, which is naturally you shouting this thing to the world. Hey, check out this thing. And then you're like, yo, the board game social media space is very small when you get right down to it. And everyone is seeing everything. And so you're announcing, proclaiming, demanding that people come in and watch your thing that is trashing something that is very personal to a subset of people and that whether that's the creators or the fans of that thing that that can be tough still important and that there's definitely room for that but i i think there is absolutely legitimacy to reviewers seeking out games that they would naturally be interested in yeah and, and this is something that i've had to struggle with as well and it's funny because you're you're talking about so many things like playing at least five games playing at different player accounts these are all commitments that i made with myself when i started reviewing um but i when i said like i am tired of long reviews i'm going to make them 10 minutes or less scripted um and me on camera, uh, probably trying to do a much more of a shut up and sit down thing, um, or a blend of that. And, uh, Tom Vassell, um, it was definitely not as inspired as, Hey, you know what? Spirit Island in three minutes or Mage Knight <laughs> in three minutes. Like you can't even read the first page of the rule book of Mage Knight in three minutes. Like, I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of information that you pack into there. So, when you were making your first videos, did you feel like you succeeded in what your original intention was right off the get-go? Or did you feel like, yeah, people are really digging this, but I, I want to evolve this and kind of shape it into something else eventually that you ended up getting to? Weirdly, the format hasn't changed an awful lot since the first video. So it's it's still... Hello and welcome to, or nowadays it's Kiora and welcome to. Um, then the play count, 
uh, solo mode, playing time, complexity, then an overview, then the mechanics. That bit sort of changed around. It used to be first I put the win win conditions at front, but now I do the backstory first. Uh, but I changed that within two months of of starting the channel. So now the format is really locked down, and it just seems to work. I, I use the same template for every single uh, video. My secret is that I have boxes um, for each section, and if the text, if I start running out of text space, I know I'm talking too long on that section. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, and that's it. And the two things that um, people have come back and and most positively reinforced about the format. One is that I always give uh, some negatives on every game, mm-hmm. so it's not complete upsell. Even games I absolutely love, like Terraforming Mars, I can still see that there are problems with that game, or that there are that it's not for everyone. And that's that's one of my golden rules is no games for everyone. So try and think about, okay, I love the hell out of this game. Who wouldn't? Yeah, that, that's important. I mean, that's just being an empathic person, right? You know, yeah. it's trying to see things from other people's perspective. I mean, the, there's no universal game that's going to work for everyone out there. And it's important to kind of give someone some perspective of, yes, I am very excited about this game. But if you don't like this type of thing, then you're not going to like this game. Or even saying, in spite of how much I like this, I cannot go forward without touching on this this flaw of this game or something that yep. that is a hang-up for me, but my enjoyment is enough that I overcome this hang-up. Which is why I get really cagey about people who do reviews with... They, they've got nothing negative at all to say. Like, not even the components weren't 100% cool or I wasn't a big fan of this bit of art. There's always got to be... Nothing's perfect. Nothing in creation is perfect. So... Passing a game off as an absolute, from divine piece of perfect art just always um, strikes me as a bit inauthentic. Well, you haven't seen the game that's sitting around in my closet that I designed like seven (laughs) years ago. Perfection. The world isn't ready for it yet, but perfection. When it finally comes out, you will take these words back and you'll say, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, there's not a game design bone in my body. I have no interest in pursuing that. <laughs> so uh, the other the other feature that uh, also gets a lot of uh, positive feedback is that at the end of each video, I make two recommendations, usually mm-hmm. for a game that's a simpler one and for a game that's more complex or for complementary games. So say you're playing one type of game and there's a mechanic in it, uh, but if you really like that mechanic, but you want to explore it by itself, you might want to look at this other game so say with above and below if you really like the storytelling stuff in above and below play near or far mm-hmm. yeah yeah so those recommendations weirdly they work the other way as well because people are going oh yeah that did remind me of the game you recommended which i like so i'll check this one out it's a good system, especially if you have three-minute board game summaries of other games that you know you're recommending, and they can go ahead and check that out. It's a it's a good way of building up synergy there. Uh, I, I I do want to dissect the reviews more, uh, mainly because I'm fascinated and because I, I have the utmost respect for what you do. But I, I also want to know more about you. So let, let's get kind of a baseline here. I know you're in New Zealand now. You're Kiwi. Uh, yep. 
you've worked in the United States, at least in some of the yep. preliminary conversations that we've had. But did you grow up in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. So I was born in Hamilton uh, in the Waikato, which is, well, to put it bluntly, one of the biggest cow towns in the world. It is agriculture and farming, dairy. The sports team has a cow for a mascot. That's how <laughs> cow country it is. So you're saying that Great Western Trail should have taken place down there. <laughs> yeah, or a- Agricola, you know. Uh, Misery Farmer would be perfect for share milking in the Waikato. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I grew, grew up there. My, my folks are from a small town in the middle of the North Island called Tamaranui, and um, their parents were also born here. So I'm like a, something like a fifth generation uh, Pakeha, um, which is a European um, New Zealander. Gotcha. And so I have zero ties like culturally to any other country, but I did work in the U.S. for six months. There you go. Well, at least you visited our particular brand of misery over here, New York City, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, working for the Coalition for the Homeless in New York City and uh, specifically working at a place called Camp Homeward Bound in Harriman State Park. So that's taking kids from homeless shelters in inner city New York and taking them out for some remedial education, some health and some joy. They desperately needed joy. Yeah, man. Man. Hard job. Yeah, <laughs> I I can't imagine. I work in social work, and I, I couldn't imagine working in that sort of setting in New York. So, um, props to you for for actually managing six months of that. But yeah, so it was four months working, and then I had a month travel uh, in front and after. A month's travel? Yeah. What were you? What, were you traveling by boat? Uh, no, I I just. Um, I would, well, I would get on Greyhound buses and I'd go to random towns and I'd just kind of walk around and meet people. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, that, yeah. that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Jay's, <laughs> Jay's time Greyhounding around the United States. But, you know, what was gaming like for you growing up in New Zealand? Was it like the UK where it was largely defined by Games Workshop and RPGs? Did you have access yeah. to traditional hobby games? You know, what, what? was your situation so um i started off with you know usual sort of games like connect four and and trivial pursuits and and all that kind of family uh home sort of stuff um chess club primary school that sort of thing uh but it was about age nine i think someone brought talisman into class one day okay and uh and we started playing that and i was like man this is really cool and then not long after i got into Fighting fantasy books, which are the um, pick-a-path, choose-your-own-adventure type fantasy games. And um, from there, I met. I was reading one of those on a family trip, and a family friend who's about five years older than me was like, "Oh wow, you, if you like that sort of stuff, you'll really love Dungeons and Dragons. You'll be you'll be totally into D and D." And I was like, "Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll check out this Dungeons and Dragons stuff." So I got my folks to buy me the D and D basic red box for my 10th birthday oh nice yep and uh so my folks have always been really supportive of uh hobbies and stuff like that they've never had any you know moral panic or concern about things like D. &D. um and yeah from there i got into battletech at about 11 um and battletech's a pretty chunky complex game and um yeah from there it was 
so a lot of Battletech, then into some Games Workshop stuff as well. So Space Hulk, Blood Bowl, Warhammer 40,000. And all the way through high school, it was board games, war- miniature games, and role-playing in about equal balance. Nice, nice. Uh, Blood Bowl, man, that's such a good poll. I, I don't play much <laughs> but Blood Bowl, but I, I have some friends who have actually like started revival leagues around here. You know, guys who yeah, are man. younger than me, you know, they're mostly in their early 20s and they're playing Blood Bowl and that is their dedicated hobby. I'm like, man, how did this happen that this <laughs> in Juneau, Alaska, there became a dedicated like 20 person Blood Bowl league? It's some bananas oh that's awesome so at my intermediate school uh so i think the equivalent of intermediate would be junior high um Uh so it's age 11 or 12 i got a room dedicated for lunch times for gaming Mm -hmm. um so i I struck a deal with the teachers that you know we want to play games at lunch instead of doing other things can we have this (laughs) resource room to use at lunchtime and they were like yeah and I did that for two years at Intermediate, and then one of my friends from the year behind me took over that, and it's still going, apparently. So my um, nephew was at that school about six years ago, and he mentioned that they still have a an official gaming room for lunchtimes. That's awesome. And it's like, yeah, 20-odd 20, 20 years later, it's it's still a thing there. And it, man, it, that might be one of my my proudest proudest achievements, is that that school has a safe space to play board games 25 odd years after i left and who knows they could be watching your videos in that very resource room <laughs> that'd be surreal <laughs> <laughs> you need to go back and become a teacher there you know you start doing like uh, I, I guess substitute teaching and you could be the cool teacher who's like you know you can call me mr carmichael but you can really call me jay and they'd be like whoa it's jay from three minute board games <laughs> blow their uh, minds so one of my testers is actually an intermediate teacher here so um it's another guy called jared um just another reason why i go by jay more often so yeah he, he actually runs a club at his intermediate school just around the corner from me for for kids well that's awesome and yeah yeah what, what's like your dedicated play group tell me about the the situation you have to churn through so many games in order to keep up with the reviews so how are they maintaining a level of excitement when you're like hey i'm working on this review for things let's play game of thrones for the fourth time so i have multiple groups uh my one particular group which isn't actually playing board games at the moment mm-hmm um there we're actually doing an exalted rpg right now but they are all friends of mine from hamilton who've also moved to wellington and we've known all of us have known each other for 25 plus years so we're talking everyone's been best friends at uh, best men at each other's weddings type um sort of friendship um some of the guys like mike and andy met at age 13 in the first year of high school so so we've got this one group that uh, sticks together and plays together and we discuss everything together and that's that's really cool. And that's my, my Tuesday group. And in the Wednesday group, I actually run a Facebook group and I have about 60 people on there. And what I do is I go, we're testing this game this week. Who wants to come along and play it? And those spaces fill up pretty damn quick. Yeah, I can imagine. Man, uh, that would be 
so cool to have. I mean, I, I have plenty of friends I love playing games with. Uh, one, I have a four-year-old, which makes it a little bit difficult from time to time to be like, hey, we're dropping everything and playing a game. And then the yeah. other part uh, is that I live in the aforementioned Juneau, Alaska, which has no roads in or out of it, in spite of it being a capital city and a population of 30,000. So I don't exactly have the, the largest pool to pull yeah. from uh, in order to say, let's play a game but uh, you know because wellington wellington's a weird little city it's like a little san francisco so there's only like a couple of hundred like two three i mean uh, might be about four hundred thousand people here now um but it's very urbane very cosmopolitan for a small city mm. so mm-hmm. we've got board game cafes we've got multiple places that sell sell stuff uh we've got a convention that has 500 odd people turn up to it well, see, that's where I can compete with you because Platypus Con, our local convention, has about 400 people show up and we have a much smaller population. But I think nice. that more has to do with the desperation of the, the city <laughs> that I live in for things to do. Um, you know, I, I see like state representatives uh, coming into the convention being like, I don't know what a miniature is, but sure, I'll paint one. And oh, it's it, cool. Yeah, it, it is a cool vibe. And that's one of the interesting things about my city is that because it's the capital, there is so many, or the the population is overall fairly young, professional, uh, and hungry for activities. So there, there's people willing to do stuff, uh, but still smaller pool. Um, but I, I, I got to get back to the three minute board games because this has to be a concise review of you you know we, yep. we got to pack this into a short amount of time here in order to get everything that we need so when you are working on one of your summaries what you call summaries versus reviews it, recaps it, usually recaps. Yeah, recap or summary they, they are reviews but i've had some people go oh you're not really a reviewer um <laughs> get out of here <laughs> come I, on dude uh, you're Other not content. really a reviewer. Yeah, You're not really a fan. You know, I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, What are I'll we in high school? Come on. Yeah. Recap is what I like because it is about the summation. It's about pulling it, condensing it, recapping it like more than it. it is reviewing. The review bit for me is the last minute. Mm, okay yeah yeah well you know in my eyes you're a reviewer but recap uh summary whatever and that dude that that's totally the type of person who sees someone else with like a metallica shirt on and they're like oh yeah did you know that dave mustaine was in the band from the beginning and like <laughs> if you don't listen to kill them all all the time then clearly you're not a real fan what <laughs> you like death magnetic <laughs> get out of here poser forget you dude <laughs> I don't care about you. We're adults now. Deal with it. Um, yeah, Cliff Burton for life, by the way. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what are you still, like, drawing Metallica on your, like, binders at school? Like, come on. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> but, um, so when, when you're working on your summaries or recaps, how do you figure out the amount of time that you're actually going to to fill with different aspects because i watched in advance of this your game of thrones recap and then the um mint delivery recap and they were about the same length because that's your prescribed length 
but you have a lot more to contend with with one game than the other. So do you feel like you have a lot of freedom to play in that space? Do you ever struggle when you're you're working to hit that time limit? Like, how do you balance things? So I, I kind of um, just set the game up and I play through a bunch of turns like multi-hand solo and I take those initial pictures which I use for the... Um, for the introductory segment. Um, mm-hmm. So at the start of every video, there's the board being set up and then like a first few turns being played. And while I'm doing that, as I'm moving the bits and moving them around and taking the still photos, I'm thinking, what are the most important decisions to be made here? What's the most important thing I need to highlight? Oh, okay, we've got a battle here. I've well, got to remember to take some pictures of a battle. So I, I sort of play through it. And as I'm doing that, I start thinking of, individual shots and sequences that i that i want to put in mm-hmm. and i actually take the photos before i write the script that's interesting so i take the photos of what i think is important in the game and i think okay uh we're doing chinatown uh which is the next video that's coming out tomorrow you get dealt this number of cards okay so we have to show those cards being dealt then we have to show them being flipped they've got numbers on them okay we need to show those areas on the board and why those areas on the board are important and then i take all those photos of all the things in the game i think are salient and then i bring them all together dump them on a hard drive open up the script and i start looking through the photos in sequence and then i start building the story from that mm. and sometimes Things end up on the cutting room floor. So for games like Gloomhaven, that ended up being like four and a half minutes long. So some stuff had to get chopped out because there was just so much going on in that game. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it starts through almost an experiential uh, experience of playing out the game and then thinking, what's important? What would I want to know? Right, right. Well, what, what I find so fascinating about your technique is that you are so direct and 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 that's important to the format because there's so much information that you want to uh bring forward and present to the person watching it because it's valuable as a tool but you don't really get all too poetic about it if that makes sense (laughs) and that's something that i personally love doing and is probably a failing on my part uh, is that uh, I I do a lot of B-roll recaps with, you know, audio going and, you know, carefully scripted things where I want to get into like the essence of a game and you are just so boom, 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 direct. It's almost like listening to the clash. It's in your face <laughs> and constant and fast. And it's, it's wonderful. But at the same time, you are able to distill a thing into uh, the, the most important parts. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wonder, is there a particular review that you remember that you were struggling with to capture such a big concept into so much brevity. Twilight Imperium 4, um, there's so much going on with that game that I really had to sort of just give the cliff notes on what each of the um, eight different main phase cards did and roughly what you do in that time. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't capture the interactions that happen in a game like that, the negotiations and, and just the little 
all the little systems in place in a, in a game like Twilight Imperium. And there was, there's other games where there's, whenever there's any kind of real-time aspect, like, again, talking about Chinatown, this is actually, Chinatown's one I've, I really had to struggle with because the core of that game is real-time trading. Right. I take still images. It's really hard to get across the the feel, the vibe, the essence of what's like a, a, a noisy stock market floor game with still images and one guy talking. Right. But you have it going up tomorrow, so we'll see how it actually pans yeah. out. Uh, you you strike me as a very principled person, or maybe principled sounds too lofty, like you're you're sitting <laughs> in judgment over people, but you're thoughtful at least, and uh, you're you're careful uh, about some of the things that you say. You you have perspective, and you are clearly empathetic, both in how you carry yourself uh, in social media and also how we're talking right now. And I'm yeah. wondering if you feel compelled to actually engage with aspects of tabletop gaming that can be uncomfortable, like the colonialization thing, like for example, archipelago, you know, that that's almost oh. the, the inverse of, um, of spirit Island. And I, I love archipelago as a game. And in a way I kind of love that it, it really ham fistedly attempts to deal with some sort of social commentary and it fails utterly in so many regards, but I love that there, there's almost a, a nugget that you can see of where this well-meaning attempt exists. Oh man, I hated that game. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was that. That is one of my one of my few. Like I have about ten games I'll never play again. Archipelago is one of them. And is that based off of the gameplay, or is that based off of just how the whole thing is representing colonialization? <laughs> A bit of both. Like okay. I, I really didn't like its take on semi co op. Mm -hmm. uh, the one time I played it, I had the decision to. I had like an object. I can't even remember the system very well, but I had like an objective card or a secret goal that I had to accumulate these certain assets. And in order for us to f defeat this final um, challenge or we'd lose, I would have to have discarded all of my victory points. Right. And I was like, so I'm either going to come last or end the game now. And that's a really crappy decision space to be in in any game. Yeah. Do you want to come last and keep playing, or do you want to end the game? And I was like, well, I'm going to end the game because, you know, what's the damn point? I'm not actually having any fun either. But, oh, my God, it's take on colonialism. Oh, we, we don't have time in this podcast to dive into it. But it's 19th century. It's fatal impact theory. It's totally out of date. And wow. Like, Wow. Yeah, it, it's it's got some banana <laughs> stuff going on in there. Uh, oh, it really it, does. And I I had a chance to talk with the designer on on the podcast recently, and I had to break it into two podcasts because that guy he is just bonkers with thoughts about everything. And half the time I was like sweating, like, Oh my God, you want to say this on a podcast? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that he seems like such a sweet and well-meaning person, but also incredibly ignorant of the, the social ramifications of, of some of the things that he's saying, or not even the ramifications, uh, the, uh, I guess history, you know, like everything that you're saying in a vacuum would be okay, 
but we don't exist in vacuum. Yeah. We exist in a world that has extensive history of people being exploited, of uh, horrible things happen. You know, how could you not think that these these things could be taken poorly. Why was why were you taken off guard that people thought this was a very controversial game when it came out? Yeah. Um, and still, you know, like I, I find a lot of that game endearing for the reason that I, 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 I love things that are failed attempts. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, that's why I. I have a soft spot for it. Well, one of my favorite games is is what I would consider a failed attempt, and that's Android, the original Android board game. Oh yeah, it's it's a bloated, misguided mess with all these different systems that don't entirely work together. But oh my god, is it just wonderful insight to an to a designer and just just such a labor of love. And yeah, it's 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 playable. It's it's fun and all, but it's so damn flawed. But well, well, still beautiful. You know, like a game that you mentioned earlier, Terraforming Mars. I mean, that is, I I think, either one or two on my top favorite games of all time. And that that is a game that I think is mechanically wonderful. But thematically, I find it so fascinating that the greatest scientific achievement of humankind is being distilled into a, a game where you're battling for economic dominion over a natural <laughs> resource. And yep. it, it, I had to comment on that in the, in a review that it's also kind of depressing that all of the imagery is showing like this uplifting retro futuristic look on industry. Right. But at the yep. same time, it's kind of sad to think that, Humankind can only imagine a future in which corporations are vying for control of Mars. Yeah, I, I'd just like to point this out to anyone listening. Elon Musk is not Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Billionaires will not save us. That's that's very true. Let me wrap it back into yep. kind of getting to the essence of three minute board games. You know, you've been doing this channel, you said, for 14 months. What mm -hmm is like the ongoing challenge for you like is there anything that's a drag or something that you're still trying to overcome and you know like what's the game plan at this point just ride it out do you want to improve things are you working towards an end goal you know what what's yeah. what's the plan so there really isn't a plan. I mean, there's there's sort of vague goals. Um, one of my big challenges is that we're just we're remote. Um, I don't get to go to Gen Con or Essen and rub shoulders with everyone and get in on all that sort of industry insider stuff. I think I'll always be a bit of an outsider, um, and I'm I'm actually okay with that. I mean, that's just I kind of like being an outsider in some regards. Um, Tell you what, Platypus Con yeah. is actually closer than <laughs> Essen, you know, for you. you. You come to our convention, which is poorly named after a creature that has never stepped foot in Alaska. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. much, much closer to your heart down there. Yeah, yeah. And I, nice. I will come to your local convention down there. <laughs> so one of the one of the side effects of that is I've had to grow a heck of a lot bigger than a North American or European channel would be in order to get onto reviewer lists. Yeah. So if you've got like a thousand subs 
and you go to Essen, you'll probably walk out with a, a Santa sack full of games. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, up until very recently, was being told, oh, yeah, uh, but you'll have to pay for the mailing and we'll send it through UPS and it's going to cost you 70 US. And I'm like, well, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and that started to change like um so some companies like uh rio grande have got in touch with me asmodee um tasty minstrel uh stonemaier i've got my first game from stonemaier games last week which was um between two castles of mad king ludwig um and yeah and i mean between two cities is one of my all-time faves It, it popped up on my um i think it was about 15th on my all top 100 games of all time and was on my top 10 games to start a collection with i think it's just a great gateway game and um so yeah really pleased to get that but that's taken that's taken some time and you know i i don't have these these links in i can't just sort of walk up to someone and go hey i'm i'm jay um i have to do it all by email emails and personal it gets lost um and it's just taking the industry a little while to go hey uh Here's a channel that gets a lot of views. Well, yeah, I, I have no doubt that pretty soon you're going to be at the top of the list where they're like, dude, we have to get a game over to this guy. And there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, uh, it, the top of the table, like I, I actually, being a marketing and comms person, uh, I do a lot of metrics analysis. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, the only dedicated board, board game review channels getting more views a month than me uh, Rado, Dice Tower, Man vs. Meeple, and Shut Up and Sit Down. Wow. Well, it's That's a it. hell of an achievement in 14 months. Yeah. So to, to take this out here, I, I think going personal is probably the best way of going. So we all get a little bit more of that J flavor in here. In doing so many reviews, constantly having to have opinions about games... <laughs> doing gameplay after gameplay in order to serve your reviews. Do you think that becoming Jay from three minute board games has in any way changed how you interact with one of your longest lasting hobbies? Nah, um, nah, not really. Um, one of the, one of the weird things about, um, about this is a lot of the games I've reviewed, uh, I've, I played like five, six years ago. So um, I'm not actually doing as much gameplay as it might seem. Mm. Um, I think I think I've always been a sort of outspoken, boisterous, opinionated jerk. Um, so <laughs> that hasn't changed. And I also think because one of the core things about the channel is the game's a star. I'm just the dude telling you about it. Um, I don't put my face up on things. I'm not selling you pictures of my face on T-shirt or on mugs and stuff like that. I'm trying to be just me giving honest opinions on things. And and I guess because I'm not in the convention scene, I'm not hanging out with a lot of people, I'm not bouncing off people who are giving me lots and lots and lots of in-person reinforcement. Like Most of my gaming is still with the same people I've always gamed with. It's still the same dudes, and they're just like, hey, cool, let's, let's play a game for the channel. But they're still just playing with me, and I'm their friend, and we've been friends for, for years. I've, I've made a few new friends through the channel. Uh, so a big shout-out to 
Sam and Shim from Garfield Games. Uh, they've been pretty cool. They live not too far away from me up the road, so that's been a pretty cool relationship. But they're just Kiwi blokes like I am. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'll get a huge big head over this. Well, not bigger than I already currently have because it's all on the internet. It's it's not real in some ways. Right. That makes right. any kind of sense. You know, I don't have people coming up to me and going, oh, we want your autograph. Can we get your picture taken with you? When's J-Con happening? Um. <laughs> That's what I want to know, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the idea of doing a panel um, and stuff like that act, uh, or going to a convention and having a bunch of people mob me. Uh, so I'm actually really a bit of an introvert. Like, one of my nicknames is The Bear because I sit in my damn cave all day. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not known for being a, a go-out type person. Uh, I, I get tired at conventions and big social events because – um, there's so much activity for me to keep an eye on that um, it becomes mentally draining. So I find, you know, two to three days around a lot of people, I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. Right. So this has been a really cool thing for me because, yeah, I'm getting myself out there. I'm talking to people and I'm engaging with them via comments, but I'm doing it from the safety of my bear cave. <laughs> well, I am thrilled that you decided to come out of the bear cave, at least over Skype, in order to talk to me. So, yeah. Jay, thank you so much for coming on to the Cardboard Herald. I'm really looking forward to doing this again in the future, because clearly we have a lot to talk about. And, Jay, in case people don't know, where can people find all your stuff? Uh, just uh, on YouTube, 3 Minute Board Games. Just look it up. You'll find it. You'll know what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you'll be down a rabbit hole of like 30 of these videos wondering what happened <laughs> to your afternoon. But 30 yeah. videos, that didn't actually take you that long. That's yeah, only that's, half that's of the Lord of the Rings movie. Come on. <laughs> and it, I'm honestly going to be very proud of myself that I've exited this entire interview without once asking if you were an extra in any of the Lord of the Rings movies. We'll address that next time because in oh. my mind, every New Zealander was. True story. I was in New York when the castings happened. Oh, damn it. Now I have nothing to talk about next time you're on. Man. <laughs> All right, Jay, you are awesome. I love what you're doing, and I can't wait to see what's coming up next. Uh, check out the videos that are on the channel. Chinatown is going to be up by the time that you listen to this, so that's probably a good starting place. Thanks again, Jay, for coming on to the show. How did I, everyone? As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews, on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, find us on Twitter at Cardboard Herald or send us an email to CardboardHerald at gmail.com or click the contact link on our page. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald, and you keep on gaming.